I'd rather have I'd rather know that I'm using something that's that needs a second chance, a second life, than knowing that I'm buying and fueling into an industry that's literally exploiting people from you know other countries and not paying them fair wages. Hi everyone, welcome back to Have a Map Podcast, where we talk all things career. Um, today I am joined with Armel and Renee. Armel, do you want to just go ahead and introduce yourself first of all? Yes, well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I'm really, really glad to be here today. Um, so my name is Armel Ferguson, and I am a sustainability fashion and lifestyle journalist uh, based in the UK. Uh, so I'm in London. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much what I do. And I write mostly about sustainability, making sustainability as um, achievable, accessible as possible, especially for beginners, because I know it can be a little bit overwhelming. As um, and I also do a little bit of consulting and stuff like that. I mean, yeah, everybody needs sustainability. So I'm here for that, basically. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, I'm Renee Garino. I'm a senior in college at Marist College in New York. Um, I'm majoring in fashion merchandising with a minor in product development. And I'm super into sustainability as well. Um, I think towards the end of my courses here, it started to become more of a prominent subject and I realized that that's really the thing that's going to make me feel fulfilled within the whole field so I'm hoping to hopefully get a job uh, with something to do with that in the future. That's really cool I do think that there is um, now is the moment uh, I think the industry in terms of sustainability is really booming at the moment so I think you're at the right place at the right time. Absolutely I agree. All right so my first question for you is what do you do specifically in your role? Right, so um, I'm freelance. So, you know, when you're freelance, you get to choose, but at the same time, you have to do a lot of things, especially initially. So um, I've started as a stylist and as a journalist. So I was doing a lot of, so not, not in the sustainability um, world. Uh, I studied in a fashion school here in the UK. And I was doing like the styling on shoots, the writing as well. I've done, I've done a little bit of uh, fashion week stuff. And when I realized the state of the fashion industry, I was like, okay, I need to find a way to make this align better with what I truly believe in and my values. So I left the industry and well, I didn't really leave the industry, but I started to kind of go my own route, if that makes sense. And I decided to do some personal styling, but with a sustainability angle on this. So I started doing my sustainable um, personal styling business. And I was lucky enough as well because I was sharing a little bit my sustainability journey on social media, on my own website and stuff like that. Um, I was lucky enough to land a few jobs um, in the writing industry specifically with to do with sustainability. So I do have a monthly column here with, I don't know if you guys have read magazine in the US, but it's owned by Hearst magazine. So Hearst, they have Elle, Marie Claire. So it's, a, it's quite a big uh, publication uh, company when it comes to magazines, women's magazines. So I do have a sustainability column with them. And I just write a lot. Uh, I mean, journalism is a little bit of um, a lot of pitching and a lot of writing and sometimes a lot of pitching and not much writing. Uh, 
<laughs> but yeah, so that's pretty much what I do. Styling, writing, and I also have my own little community that I share my sustainability tips with, mostly based on fashion, but people just want to know more about sustainable lifestyles. So I also do share that as well. So yeah, my days don't very don't really look the same because every day I do something different. Sometimes it's going to be more towards like client work. Sometimes it's going to be more towards uh, nurturing my communities. Sometimes it's going to be heavy writing. Sometimes it's going to be teaching on co- or consulting. So it's going to depend on the day. But this is all the things, all the stuff that I do. So exactly. yeah, juggling all of those things, and I love that you put it on social media because I feel like that's the first place that I really learned the most about sustainability because if you're not taking the sustainability course, you're not really involved in it that much. And I feel like as of right now, at least, it's kind of a newer subject. And unless you're researching about it yourself, you're not really gonna know that much about it. So I feel like following those accounts on Instagram is where I started to be like, oh my gosh, like this is a huge problem. Because I feel like, like you said, there's a point where whenever you're in the fashion world where you're like, holy crap, this is an awful industry. Like it really, We say like it's the second most polluting industry and everything. And I think like midway through my sophomore year, probably I was like, wow, let's take a yeah. step back. <laughs> like I to- I totally, totally agree. And that's pretty much what I try to do as well, is try to kind of demystify the whole sustainability jargon and all the terms and how complicated and overwhelming it can be for other people as well. So that's really what I try to do on social media. And as you said, social media is such a massive source for people just looking to understand the sustainability, the whole thing about sustainability. So I am glad that you're saying that because it just reinforces what I think um, I already know, which is that social media is a huge, huge force to use when it comes to um, the sustainability field. Absolutely. And I feel like at least now, I think since the pandemic, people are starting to realize I see more and more like things about sustainable efforts and stuff, but it's hard for people that aren't in the fashion industry to realize what's greenwashing and what's not. So I try to like talk to my friends about it and it does get confusing, but like, I think people are starting to realize, hey, when people say that they're doing all these green initiatives, it might just be a complete lie. And cool to like talk to my friends about because they like you know they buy things off Shein and Forever 21 and they're like well because they they don't get like really what the impact is they just know it's bad yeah you know the extent of it so I think that's been cool at least throughout the pandemic that people are starting to realize more in depth about the problems and not just the surface level yeah, I totally, totally agree. Uh, and I have seen that specifically um, in the past year or so. A lot of people have been um, contacting me. I've had quite a lot of just requests and and, and uh, people just getting to me telling me, okay, this year really has helped me realize that I need to change this, 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 and this. And I can really, really see that there is a, there is, um, there is a renewal, if that makes sense, of interest in the topic and a lot of people now are really realizing that we need to change things i also think that um because you guys are i think quite young i mean you're still in you're still in university and or college and even though i do think that your generation is really much more aware of these topics like much more than when i was in in college i mean not that it was so long ago but you know (laughs) Uh, but I, I do think that we also need to realize that 
you guys are young and I'm not I'm not really surprised that a lot of people are um, engaging in you know fast fashion and overconsumption because I mean I, I was the same when I was 19 20 21 it took me a while to really change my my behaviors and my and my habits so I do think that your generation even though you guys have still, the same bad habits that we used to have 10 years ago, you are also, I think, a catalyst for change. And it really, really makes me very happy to see how passionate you guys are, because I, I feel like, I mean, tomorrow's world is your world, basically. I mean, mine as well. I'm not, I'm not that old, okay? I'm not that old, so. <laughs> how old are you? I'm 28, I'm 28. Oh. Um, yeah, but I, I do think that in the past five or even 10 years, a lot has happened and I do think that you guys are, are, are becoming adults and growing in a world that's slightly different and, and much more passionate than you know the world I grew up in even though it was just 10 years ago so yeah absolutely and I think because more people have resources to find out things mm -hmm. it's been helping a lot like I'm sure Savannah can vouch for that you know not being in the fashion world but you probably see more posts about things to do with fair wages and ethical practices and things like that. Absolutely. I actually, I work in a clothing store, but I haven't taken like any classes on fashion. So I like, I know a little bit, but I'm always like trying to educate myself a little more. Um, what kind of advice would you give to somebody that like wants to be more sustainable with their um, like buying practices and things like that? Like somebody that's new to like learning about these things. I think the key point when you're just starting is to understand that uh, there's no perfect way to go about it. Sustainability can be really, really overwhelming, especially when you're just starting. So if you try and do everything at once and to just get it perfect, like it's impossible. So what I would say is to go step by step and to probably choose one or two areas or one or two things that you want to focus on. I know that I started, I personally started in my plate. So I didn't even start in, in fashion or in my wardrobe. I started in my plate and then I was like, okay, so I can be a vegetarian and then I can do this and I can try and buy local and I can try and buy seasonal and then um, when my plate now I'm plant-based on everything uh, when my plate was sorted I was like okay um, now in my work environment this is not working for me so I need to make a change with my work which obviously was fashion and my wardrobe and all this and then I was like okay now I pretty much get that so how can I also do better in my house and my lifestyle as a whole so I think what we really need to understand is that if we try and do everything at once, it's going to be overwhelming and eco-anxiety is a real thing uh, and I don't wish it on anybody. Um, so really try and go step by step, try and focus on one or two things to start with. And then, you know, once that becomes second nature, then move on to something else. I feel like that part resonated with me because the more I watch documentaries about all the plastic pollution and everything, I'll start to get so guilty about using like simple things like a cotton pad or if I buy you know a new shirt from the mall I will really feel so guilty about it when part of me knows it's not me that's creating all the pollution it's mostly corporations but deep down like every time I do something that you know sets off something in my mind that's like this is, <laughs> this is something to add to a landfill I feel yeah. like a lot of guilt comes from that especially being a fashion major like 
we're supposed to be the people that advocate for it. And it gets difficult to like live this life where you have to be so conscious of everything. At the same time though, it's not as accessible, like you said, to college kids. So it's tough knowing like, I can't afford sometimes to get the sustainable option, but like- Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that that's definitely something as well that we need to take into consideration uh, is that a lot of the times, if you're going to buy new, when it comes to sustainability, uh, is going to be a little bit more expensive. However, we also need to understand that sustainability is not something that we can buy. So the first step is really to try, and that's a mistake that a lot of people do at the beginning, is that instead of trying to see, okay, with what I have in my home, what can I reuse or repair or, you know, like you don't have to have all the beautiful mason jars. That, that, that doesn't make you more sustainable than somebody who just uses the jar of olives that they just have uh, because, and now it's empty, so you just reuse it. So it's, it's, it's something that we tend to, and I think, it, I think social media has a, a role to play in that is that we have this aesthetic of what sustainability is supposed to look like but we need to understand that real sustainability sometimes is pretty ugly because it's very much about reusing and finding resources instead of um, wanting to create new resources because we try to get things new so I think something that a lot of college kids can do, for example, is to, if you have the patience and if you have the passion, which I'm sure a lot of um, fashion students um, do, would be to go um, thrifting, for example, or buy secondhand. I know I absolutely love it um, because I just feel that I find so many amazing pieces that a lot of people don't have. Sometimes it's going to be a piece that reminds me of the 90s or the 80s and stuff like that. And, you know, also it feels really good when somebody tells you, oh, I really love this piece. Where did you get it? And you're like, oh, sorry, it's vintage. You know, like <laughs> it's a bit silly, but... <laughs> I feel that if you have that that passion for fashion and for beautiful clothing and stuff like that, thrifting can really be much more uh, empowering and much more interesting than fast fashion. Now, granted, you have to be a little bit more patient and a little bit more intentional about it, but I do feel that the rewards are so much greater as well. Definitely. I remember that was like one of the first, I think, catalysts into even being interested in fashion was that I used to go to Goodwill and Savers and places like that. And I loved it. Like I had a place probably five minutes down the road and I would go. And at that time it was like 2015, people weren't really that into thrifting yet, but like a lot of people would appreciate like, wow, you got that from this place. Like, that's so interesting. And it would make me feel so good. Cause it was like kind of more rare back then, but now yeah. I think it's time yeah. it's gone <laughs> obviously it's a saturated market and you'll see everybody in there but I just remember like being so happy to give these garments a second piece of life and I think back then there's more of a stigma people would be like oh I don't know if I could wear other people's clothes or they'd be like what if someone died in it like you want to wear that but it's like I don't know I think if you wash it I don't think of it that way at all at this point but no definitely not I think at this point it's definitely harder now that everyone loves to go and thrift. I think I did used to find better stuff, but maybe I'm just thinking that. But, yeah, uh, I mean, I think that there, there are definitely like tips and, and tricks to know when you're thrifting. For example, knowing to go thrifting in what we call wealthy or affluent areas, because usually 
uh, the people who live in that area will go and give their stuff to the secondhand shop and you might have really really good pieces designer and stuff from the shop in these in these areas so there's there's a few things to to know also try and figure out which days they put their stuff out because some shops they put the new stuff on the shelves on Thursdays or whatever um so there's definitely things to know also try and be friends with whoever the shop assistant is um <laughs> so there is there is things it's true that now more and more people are interested in that which i mean it makes it a little bit more difficult to find amazing pieces but at the same time it makes me happy because Honestly, I'm tired of fast fashion and the idea that somebody might have, like somebody probably worn it before you isn't necessarily to me a problem because I feel like I'd rather have, I'd rather know that I'm using something that's, that needs a second chance, a second life than knowing that I'm buying and fueling into an industry that's literally exploiting people from you know other countries and not paying them fair wages and stuff so yeah to me the choice is easy but I do understand that there is still you know some mental blocks or whatever about the idea but something that I like to say is that if you can't if you really think that every time you go to the restaurant you have a new plate and, and cutlery that nobody put in their mouths before you, then you're completely delusional. So if you're happy eating in something that a complete stranger has eaten in before, then I mean, granted, yes, they have amazing dishwashers and blah, 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 really like professional industry quality, whatever. So obviously it's, it's really clean. But what I'm saying is that it should like, if you wash it, like you'll be fine. Like you're not gonna you're not gonna catch anything or die just because somebody wanted before you. So yeah. Going back a little bit to kind of like some projects and things that you've been working on, I want to know a little bit more about like how you went like from high school and like your time in college and kind of how that guided your path to where you are now. So um, so I don't think so I don't think um it's very relevant to go back all the way to high school before I because I started with something completely different. I actually have a master's in law, so it's very different from what I'm doing now. So after I did law uh, in France, because you might hear that I have a slight French accent as well as my weird new British accent. Uh, <laughs> um, so I studied law and I did all my my childhood and whatever. So all this was life before I even moved to the UK. Um, then when I came here to the UK, I did uh, study fashion. So I studied fashion journalism, to be exact. And then I started working. Um, I was just doing some writing, not necessarily fashion or journalism. I just needed to get some writing experience. And, you know, because people are very much like, you need to do a lot of internships, you need to write a lot before you even get a job in the industry right so I did a lot of writing a lot of copywriting in like se several companies that don't necessarily deserve uh, mentioning um, 
And on the side, I was indeed doing like all the internships and all the things that you need to do in the fashion industry at the same time. So I did some fashion week covering uh, with some independent companies. I did some working on photo shoots and a lot of a lot of this wasn't paid or paid really, really like very low, which is not fair, but you know, it is what it is. And then I started, you know, the, the more you work and the more you write and the more you work on shoots and stuff like that, the more people you know and the more you get to you know, build your credibility and build your network, which is very, very important. And then by also documenting everything I was doing on my Instagram account, honestly, you guys have the, like, in terms of portfolio and opportunities, you are at the best time because Instagram and Twitter, it's just like, it's just amazing. You can really, really connect with people and start creating real relationships with people on social media, which um, I'm really, really glad that I, I got this opportunity to do that because I don't know how I would have done it differently 20 years ago if I was already in the industry. But I feel that it's really something that we shouldn't neglect because it helped me land a lot of uh, opportunities, a lot of jobs, and also just create relationships with people, even people that I have never worked with, but we have a good professional relationship just because we're always debating on Twitter on the same topics or we're following each other on Instagram and we comment on each other's pictures on Instagram so it's people I've never met people I've never even worked with but if there is an opportunity or something like that then they know that it might be something that interests me or it might be something that they might be interested in and I'm going to tag them so really really try and build your network on social media we tend to focus on numbers and really grow our account but I would say I don't actually care if I have I mean it would be cool if I have 10k followers but it's not what pays me and what makes me live it's really just the quality of the relationship that you build with people on social media so I would say always remember the first word of social media is social so you're supposed to actually build relationships with people um, so this is how I started really working in the industry. This is how I landed my, uh, my monthly column as well in, um, in, um, in, my, in, the, oh, in the National Women's Magazine I work with now. Um, this is how I landed my tutoring teaching job in the, I, I do some teaching like journalism and fashion and lifestyle journalism teaching as well for students. So this is how I landed that job as well. It's all through social media. And if you are really into writing, I would say um, that people need to see your writing. So you need to have a website. Um, nowadays, I know some people are like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna write a website, I'm gonna have a website and then tell people, oh, this is, yes, it's crucial. You can't call yourself a writer if nobody can see your writing anywhere. So yes, you need to have your work somewhere so that people when they check you out they can go and see what you're doing what your work looks like and really build relationships um so this is pretty much what i've done and then when i decided you know what i don't really want to work and do some really 
crappy copywriting for all these companies. I had already built my, uh, my network and my experience as a stylist on shoots and stuff. Uh, but this is when I started to think, okay, I don't want to be doing that anymore. I want to help real people. I want to do some personal styling and I want to do it sustainably. And this is how I launched my personal um, styling business. So yeah, that's pretty much what I've done. And I, I still do it obviously. And now I just kind of stack on some other stuff like my teaching and my writing and my whatever. That's an amazing journey. I can't believe you started off in law and now <laughs> you're here. But yeah, I mean, I've I've never I've never actually worked in law. I just have the masters. But yeah, <laughs> that's such good advice though that you gave because a big pillar of what we do at Dim Events is networking, and it's a constant flow of you know cold call people, cold email people, cold DM people. And don't be afraid to make these organic connections. And that's exactly how we have you on the podcast today, because yeah. a big part of it is just reaching out to the communities that you are a part of and getting Absolutely. a basis of people to work with. And so that's something yeah. that throughout my internship, I've definitely learned more about because at first I was a little anxious to do that. But the more you do it, the more it's like, this is the only way that mm -hmm. you can really get a big community around what you care about. And yeah. it's awesome. Absolutely. And I would say it's normal to feel a little bit anxious, but you need to realize that when people don't call you to give you the job, it's not because they don't want to give it to you, it's because they don't know you exist. Right. Okay. So you need to tell them, okay, I'm here and I'm serious about it. So you need to actually let people know that you are in that space. So the only way to do that is yes, to reach chat to the people in that space but really engage in whatever space whatever community that you want to be a part of so on like on twitter there's so many different people that you can follow that are into sustainability into fashion and whatever so i'm just going to take twitter as an example uh, but there is like literally 24 seven, uh, it doesn't matter if you're from, you know, if, if you're based in Europe, if you're based in the US, if you're based in Australia, like literally 24 seven all around the clock, there is debate and conversations about sustainability. So do start following the right people, do interact, do give your uh, opinion in the comments, uh, give some really insightful um, replies or just questions. If you don't know, it's okay to ask as well. But just be be present, be a voice, right? Just let people know I'm here and I'm interested in this topic and this is what I do. So that you become like you become a voice that people actually want to hear and that people actually know that they can rely on. And it's fine if you get it wrong sometimes. I mean, we're all humans, right? So don't be like, oh my gosh, I can't say anything just in case I say something wrong. No, it's fine. Um, we all do. And once you do that and people realize how your insight is, how helpful your insight can be, then this is when they're gonna start trusting you. And, um, and this is how you're gonna start lending jobs or just really building relationships. As I said, relationships, relationships, relationships. And again, remember, if people don't call you or don't give you the job, it's not because they don't want to, it's because they do not know you exist. So you need to tell them that you exist. Plus, I feel like in your case with having, you know, you said you don't have 10K followers, but I think that makes it more unique because people kind of look for those micro influencers because they trust them more. They don't know, like, I think with pages with a lot of followers, I always think like, are they just advertising this because they wanted the money or, you know, so I think I do build trust with those smaller pages more easily. Yeah. 
which is awesome for you because then you know that you're being transparent with your followers and that they're really looking at your content for you and not just for the number that's in your following. Yeah, absolutely. And then obviously the more the more you do the work, then the more you're gonna gain followers. So this is just, you know, a natural consequence of you know, whatever you do. But I do think that when you have fewer followers, it's easier to it's just easier to connect with them. It's easier to have full-on conversations in your DMs. It's easier to reply to everybody, which I really try to do. Um, if anybody's listening to that podcast and has sent me a DM and I, hasn't re I haven't replied, uh, it's not because I don't want to, but sometimes I just miss them. Uh, but I really try to answer to all my DMs. I really try to, I really have conversations and I really connected with people that I truly feel are my friends now, uh, even though I've never actually met them. But you, we have those conversations and we hop on a Zoom call and we have, you know, a, a virtual coffee or whatever. And, and you do that, I don't know, once a month or whatever. And like you actually build real relationships with people from all over the world, which I think is amazing uh, because sometimes we tend to realize that all the friends we have in real life is just because we worked with them or we were doing whatever activity with them or we grew up with them, which is fine, um, but it's not necessarily because you have a genuine common interest with that person. It's just because you happen to work in the same office. Um, but when you actually build relationships based on something that you guys have together and a common interest, um, it's much easier to actually have real friends like this, which blew my mind when I realized that, but yeah. <laughs> Right, that's an awesome way to look at it. And I feel like as a graduating senior in a couple of weeks, I really have to start thinking about, you know, what companies do I want to reach out to that I have that connection with? Because I've been struggling a little bit with being in the fashion industry. A lot of the girls that I'm graduating with are geared towards more like high-end luxury jobs. And that's what we've kind of been funneled into, but I've known for like the past couple of years that that's not really where I want to go into. So I think I've been really trying to research like where am I going to be most successful in terms of mm -hmm. company culture and the people in it and especially the sustainability aspect is what I'd like to pursue the most. So I think, you know, it's tough, I guess. Like, yeah, you know, I mean, I guess, so in terms of your prospects for the future, look, as a young graduate, you're looking for an entry level job and I'm saying get what you can. Honestly, I don't know if you have any student debt or anything like that, but I'll just say like when you start, just get what you can, okay? Once you have your foot in the door, you start having whatever professional experience, which is very, very important. Then you can start looking at, you know that you have something that's secure, you know that you have your money coming every month and then you know get your little experience and whatever and it doesn't stop you from i mean it's 2021 now it's not like in our parents time when people started as an entry-level job in a company and literally retired in that same company you can after your first year which is exactly what i did after my first year of my entry-level job start looking at something that maybe aligns better with your values if you can do that even before that then that's fine but i would say like for your entry-level job obviously you do want to try and get something that's as much as possible aligned with what you truly want to do but don't kid yourself like your your first job is not going to be your dream job i mean if it is then amazing i'm going to be very happy for you but 
I've never heard of anything like that. <laughs> exactly. So another thing that I want to say is that it's you also have an advantage that if everybody in your promo or whatever wants to do uh, very similar jobs, then your profile is going to stand out because you want to do something different. So that's really something that you want to um, that you want to emphasize. Also, there is a lot of like there are platforms online. If you don't necessarily have all the credential for sustainability, there are platforms online when you where you can just do like mini free courses, free online courses. Let me. Um, Coursera, there is the Coursera platform, which has mini courses from a lot of universities all around the world. And you can either just do the course or you can do the course and finish with an actual certification. That is, it's not much, it's like 40 pounds or something. 40 pounds would be uh, maybe $50 or something like that. And you have all types of different mini courses. So I'm talking about sustainability now, but anybody who want to do a little bit more of get a little bit more knowledge on specific topics just go on that platform and you're going to see like just type whatever topic you want to learn and you're going to get so so much knowledge on whatever topic so that's something that you can add to your cv as well even though it's not like it's not a master's degree or it's not like a, a bachelor or anything like that but just putting on your cv that you have done these many courses in sustainability uh, csr or you know green cities or whatever it is it's going to pique the interest of your recruiter that's for sure and then if they hire you and they see that you are a very valuable team member maybe they will pay for your actual sustainability masters later down the line <laughs> but all i'm saying is like don't try and force yourself to get like all the perfect uh, credentials and the perfect qualifications, just get everything you can for cheap or for free. And then um, you can get all the real stuff. As long as you get the knowledge, the paper or the diploma or whoever says, yes, she did it, doesn't matter. You just need the knowledge. Exactly. And that's what I've been coming to terms with recently because graduating, you know, seems like this whole scary thing, but it's like, it really is just a piece of paper and who yeah. you are is the determining factor of if you get the job or not. But I'm in a place where I don't know exactly, you know, I live in the middle of Connecticut, um, which doesn't have too many opportunities fashion wise. Usually people move to New York City, but where I am now, I'm too far to commute on the train, too broke to afford an apartment there. So I'm like, do I look for remote opportunities because we're still in the pandemic? Do I wait the summer and start looking for things in the fall when I feel like maybe I could move there? And then part of me is like, there's an internship that I am interested in for the summer, but it's not paid. So I'm like, with a degree now, do I want to put myself in a position where I'm still not going to get paid for something, even though I'm interested in it? Yeah. Or should I look for, you know, a, a real position? So it's, there's a lot of things like swirling around in my head at this point. And it's yeah. difficult to like, I know I won't like have the, the dream job at first, but I'm still kind of at a place where I'm like, I don't know if I should continue interning places to like gauge my interest in things, if I should just get a job and see if I like it. And there's a lot, there's a lot going on. Well, you know, I think really it depends on your situation. I do feel that it's very, very unfair. Uh, and I do think that when it comes to inequalities that 
it, like unpaid internships should be banned in my personal opinion because i feel that it just creates more inequalities between the people who already don't have much and those who can afford it and have the support of maybe parents who can give them extra money every month and i feel that in um in a society that's that already has a lot of inequalities let's say you come from an impoverished background or whatever like you just can't afford to do unpaid internships like not everybody's parents can give them an extra 800 1000 pounds or dollars just to pay for their living expenses while they work for free like whoever thinks it's a good idea probably is benefiting from that system or just doesn't think just like it's just it's just not fair so in my opinion unpaid internships should be banned however this is not the topic here i just needed to say that because people need to know it's not ethical i think that uh, i personally only did unpaid internships um while i was still studying okay as soon as i left university i needed the money right i needed to pay my bills i needed to right so what I did is that I took jobs that were not, not necessarily ideal and it was a lot of copywriting, not very fashion, not very sustainability, not very none of that, but you know, it paid the bills while I was trying to improve my knowledge and trying to improve whatever other experience that I could on the side. So I'm not going to tell you not to take any unpaid internship. I'm just going to tell you to truly look at your situation and see if maybe there is a way for you to have one foot in the industry that you truly want to work in while at the same time finding a way to sustain yourself because we all need money in this world to survive so yeah i mean it might it might be a little bit cynical but it's true we, we do need money and i would say yeah don't don't try and put yourself in situations where it's really really hard and you're struggling to eat or struggling to pay your bills or whatever uh, just because people don't understand that you know you can't just exploit students or or in entry-level people just because they don't have the experience if you're profiting from my work even if my work is 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 very like not great level well, it still has some type of value. So put some value on it. So yeah, I would say I don't really know what the job market is like in the US. Right. Uh, but if you truly need to move to another state or another city or another um, location, especially if it's going to be New York, I know that New York City is pretty much like London, which, me which means extremely expensive for no good reason. Um, <laughs> then you might need to find a job just to sustain yourself while at the same time trying to, as I said, look for these um, opportunities a little bit later down the line where maybe you have a year or a year and a half of working experience already and while also adding all these mini online courses on your CV as well. Absolutely. I'll definitely look into that because I think it could be beneficial, especially, um, you know, just to put something that'll stand out Yeah. For them. So the last question that we want to ask you is, I know just like with the pandemic and everything and like working from home, how do you um, practice self-care on like for yourself? How do you kind of like escape the world and kind of just take care of yourself? I live in London and we have, I live with my husband and we have no garden and no balcony. So you can imagine that when everything is on lockdown, which I know in America, it's a little bit different, but we had, we had like real lockdowns where like you couldn't go out. Right. So 
some of the things that I really tried to emphasize on, and my husband really helped me on that because I was very lazy, but I tried to exercise every day, which is very difficult when you are not exercising yet. So when you're getting out of your bed thinking, oh my gosh, I need to exercise, it's really hard. But once you're actually exercising or once you're done, you feel really good. So I realized that. So that's something that I think is very, very important is to just try and take care of your body. Whatever it is, for me, it was exercising, but you know, for somebody it can for somebody else, it can be something else. Also, I have three parks around my house. So even though we don't have a balcony and we don't have a garden, I really tried to go for walks as much as I could just because the fresh air does feel good. I do work on my laptop all day alone in my house or just with me and my husband. And it can be sometimes we, you know, you, you don't really know how you manage not to kill each other, but um, <laughs> like, it's like going out and see the world and see like other people and just get some air and just see the trees and stuff can be really, really good as well, just for your mental health. Um, another thing that I try to do, which uh, once a week and if you're a student and you don't have money, don't do that. But I try once a week to order food, to order food in because I try to cook everything from scratch because I think it's more sustainable. I don't really buy like pre-prepared meals. Uh, but once a week, I do order either um, uh, Uber Eats or delivery or whatever because I just feel that you know it's like a it's like a treat that you have once a week and like I I really really do enjoy that. And yeah, so that that's pretty much how I, and it, it can sound kind of crappy, I don't know, but <laughs> it's something that to me, it works. So I try to exercise every day. I try to go to the park as often as possible. And I do all the food out once a week. And I, I really make it, I really make it like a feast and I really make it very special. So that's that. What else do I do? I don't, oh, there's also something that I do is that at nine o'clock I ditch my phone. So at 9 PM, I turn off my phone and I leave it in my living room until the next morning. So it doesn't mean I go to bed at nine o'clock, really not, but I do turn it off and leave the screen and I just read or just spend time just chilling, relaxing. Usually I read, sometimes it might be some rubbish on Netflix or whatever. So yeah, and that really, really helped me. Actually, I don't know why I didn't mention that first because it really, really helped me just have better nights. I am a 90s baby, so I am addicted to my phone, just like everybody else in my generation. Uh, so it was hard initially to leave the phone alone, but I really think that nothing really good happens on my phone after 9 p.m. to be honest. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's just literally me scrolling and like wasting time on Twitter and Instagram, and I don't even realize how much time has gone and before I blink, it's midnight and I've done nothing. So, so yeah, I think it's really, really good to take like these one or two hours just reading or resting my brain or something like that. And it really, really helped me. So if you can do that, that's a good tip, actually. If you can do that, mm -hmm. ditch your phone, depending on, you know, what time you go to bed. But I try to ditch my phone at nine o'clock and I usually fall asleep around 11. So, yeah. That's awesome. You definitely need to take time to unplug, especially nowadays. Yeah. Well, I think that's all the questions we have. Um, but thank you so much for coming on this podcast. It was so insightful and I loved hearing all the advice that you had about sustainability and life. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much. Yeah, but you're very welcome. And honestly, if you have any other question, any 
like anything that you want to chat about just like as i said my dms are always open i don't know how long i took to reply to your message but if, even if i do take a while i will get to your message and once the conversation has started i'm not going to take ages to respond again so yeah my dms are open i don't think i'm very active on my feed but it doesn't mean i'm not active in, in my dms so yeah definitely do reach out and yeah i'm happy to help and say give advice or whatever so yeah thank you so much thank you